And now, live from beautiful Myrtleby, South Carolina, you're watching My Fellow Americans with your host, Spike Collins. Yes! Finally! Yes, finally. I, I know it's me. Thank you. I'll keep clapping. Thank you. I survived COVID. I didn't, I didn't die of COVID. Keep clapping if you're happy that I didn't die of COVID. Why are you all, I said keep clapping if you're happy I didn't die of COVID and then you stopped clapping. Welcome to my fellow Americans. I am literally Spike Cohen and I have, I appears have survived COVID. Um, and I'm, I'm uh, doing better every day. I'm sure that's true. Uh, this is a Muddy Waters Media production. Uh, first of 2022. We are already a 10th through this year if you weren't already depressed um before this show started we're already one tenth of the way through this year just nine more tenths to go and then it's off to 2023 and all the beauty that awaits there uh this is a muddy waters media production check us out everywhere all social media platforms all podcasting platforms we are on all of them check us out on all of them Follow us on all of them, like us on all of them, subscribe to us on all of them, whatever you are listening or watching this on right now. If you haven't already, be sure to like us, subscribe to us, follow us, whatever the thing is. Uh, Five star us. If there are stars you can give us, give us all the stars. If it's 10, give us 10 stars, however many stars you can give us. Uh, And if this is on YouTube, hit the bell if uh, if you're on YouTube because uh, we want your phone, which I have down here on the floor. We want your phone to explode. My phone's dying. We want your phone to explode with notifications every single time we go live. So be sure to do that. And share this right now. The last thing that I want is for you and your closest loved ones to miss out on a roughly hour-long libertarian podcast on a Wednesday evening. I would hate that for you. Share the gift. Give the gift of Spike Cohen today. Kids love it. This episode. Oh, and of course, I keep forgetting to do this. Of course, be sure to ex- to subscribe to get access to exclusive Muddied Waters Media content, to get a discount at the Muddied Waters Media store, to get an ad-free experience for Muddied Waters Media on Spotify and uh, and Anchor, and also to uh, have access to our monthly Muddied Zoom, which is a Zoom call with uh, you and me and all the other uh, Muddied Waters people, all the Muddied Waters contributors and all of the muddy water subscribers join today i'm going to show it again join today become a member of the muddied muds mud militia i we don't we, I mean, we have to work on the name for that join become a member today and uh and thank you so much uh this episode of course is brought to you by the libertarian party waffle house caucus the fastest growing and second largest caucus in the libertarian party join the takeover that is the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus by going to the Facebook group Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus. Uh, very conveniently named such. Uh, and if you would like to go and get gear, uh, get moneyed uh, exclusive uh, Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus gear, go to the Muddy Waters Media Store at muddiedwatersoffreedom.com store and you can do exactly that. The Gravy King! Joe Soloski is running for governor of Pennsylvania. 
Joe Soloski is the key to Pennsylvania's success, and if you'd like to help him become the first libertarian governor ever, go to joesoloski.com. That's J-O-E-S-O-L-O-S-K-I dot com. Mudwater, the most appropriately named sponsor that Muddy Waters Media will ever have. If you woke up today and said, Spike, I am so sick of coffee. I don't know. I don't know why you'd be waking up and talking to me, but you know, that's happy to be here for you. Uh, Spike, I'm so sick of coffee. I don't want to drink it anymore. I'm addicted to caffeine. My wife probably going to leave me. Children hate me. Everything's falling apart in my life. Frankly, the coffee's probably just a part of it, but I got to start somewhere. I'd like to change to something, an alternative. Maybe something with, oh, I don't know, masala chai, cacao, mushrooms, turmeric, sea salt, cinnamon, and literally nothing else. Well, folks, I have some great news for you. One, it's probably not the coffee that's causing all those problems. Um, But two, if you do really just want to start there with the coffee, we do have mud water, uh, which is uh, definitely more healthy than coffee. It has one-seventh the caffeine of a cup of coffee, just enough caffeine to get you all hyped up and excited like this. I'm actually not, I'm still dealing with post-COVID fatigue, so I'm not really hyped up, but just pretend that I'm hyped up like this, but not so much caffeine that you end up with that crash at the end of the day and heart problems and addiction like this. I have heart problems. I actually don't have heart problems. This is more acting than anything. So uh, if you go to muddywatersoffreedom.com slash mud, you can get your starter pack today. Jack Casey has written three books. Are they good? I have no idea. I refuse to ever read these books. And frankly, anytime that it's suggested to me, I'm that much less likely to ever read them. But you should read them by going to theroyalgreen.com today and getting the royal green in silver throne and crowned by gold. If you get these three books, you can then be yet another person to hassle me about whether they're good or not. Defy the power and stitches and glitches. Make the finest libertarian-themed and otherwise-themed tumblers on Earth. They're great things. They're great. They keep your hots hot. They keep your colds cold. They keep your lukewarms. Pretty much whatever temperature you put in that, it will remain that for an ungodly number of hours. If you uh, go to stitchesandglitches.com or defythepower.com, you can get yours today. Uh, we have, because <laughs> there was a, a code, Muddy Tumblr, for 10% off. Uh, we continued telling you to use this code uh, long after it expired back in, I believe, October. And they've gotten so many people using Muddy Tumblr that they've decided to reactivate it, I think because they were getting angry emails from some of you. Uh, even though they had long given up on it long ago, this was our fault, not theirs. But they have, due to your bullying and ours, they have reactivated the code Muddy Tumblr to get 10% off and... And all customization is free, which is insane. Like, you don't go somewhere and say, yeah, I'd like this picture, and I want you to add this to it and that to it. And they go, okay, that'll be zero additional dollars. But Defy the Power and Stitches and Glitches do that, and they do negotiate with terrorists, which is why you can now use Muddy Tumblr again for 10% off. If you listen to all these ads and said, Spike, this was way too many ads. This was ridiculous, and I'm going to sue you. Well, good luck, pal, because if you're in Florida, I'm going to sue you back with personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds, attorney at law. That's right, folks. If you live in the state of Florida and you find yourself to be personally injured in some 
discernible way and would like to get money for it. If you go to ChrisReynoldsLaw.com, Chris will get you so much money, just obscene amounts of money, the kind of money, walking around money, money that you can walk around with and make others feel jealous of you. And they go, wow, you must have really worked hard in life and, and, and made sacrifices and had long-term goals and plans. And you go, no, I was personally injured. And then I went to ChrisReynoldsLaw.com and look at all these stacks of cash I got. ChrisReynoldsLaw.com. Uh, the intro and outro music to this and every episode of My Fellow Americans comes from the amazing and talented Mr. Joe Dobby. That's J-O-D-A-V-I. Uh, check him out on Facebook, on SoundCloud. Uh, go to his Bandcamp, joedobbymusic.bandcamp.com. I'd like to thank Kroger for this water that I bought at their store and have been drinking because that's how groceries work. Bolivanaka. <clears throat> Shout out to Tamron Turks' mom and him as always. Folks, if you follow my social media, well, I'm happy for you because it's good stuff on there, huh? Yeah? Uh, but if you go into my social media, uh, you will often hear of me talking about a group in Tennessee called For All Tennessee. And, uh, and I'm going to let uh, one of the people, uh, I probably should have, uh, What you can tell me, no one's going to hear you. What is your title at For All Tennessee again? You're one of the founders, but is your founder? The president and founder, co-founder, founder, uh, who, uh, but for all Tennessee.com, for, well, that is their website, uh, but, or .org. But if you go to for all Tennessee, they have some incredible stuff that they are doing. Uh, and we have the president and founder of the, uh, of for all Tennessee on the show. We're going to be talking about what they have done, uh, in just one year's time and what they plan to do in the coming year. Ladies and gentlemen, my fellow Americans, Please welcome to the show, Mr. Justin Cornett. Justin, thanks for coming on again, man. Thanks for having me, Spike. As always, uh, the pleasure is mine. Yes, well, thank you. I, I do my best, uh, even when I do uh, forget what your title is. Uh, but no, you, uh, <laughs> no, I, I've been very thrilled to to uh, help promote y'all as, as much as I can, and I'm really happy to have you on. And folks... Uh, before we get started, as always, I will remind you to uh, leave us in the comments, if you're watching this live, uh, you leave us your thoughts and questions, and we will tell you if you are right or wrong. Now, if you are watching this and it's not live anymore, go ahead and leave your comments, because we'll probably, one of us will probably answer anyway. I know I will <laughs> at some point. Uh, so, Justin, before we get started talking about 2022, for those who have not watch the previous episodes with you on it first of all how dare you uh and second of all uh but for those who haven't uh tell us a little bit about for all tennessee the catalyst behind what made you decide to do it and uh i did a little bit of a of a cue there uh and uh and and tell us a little bit about what you were able to accomplish uh in just your first year of lobbying on uh, on the capitol hill there in tennessee yeah sure so um I've uh, kind of background um, doing some work, lobbying work on the Hill with a handful of different organizations, including the Libertarian Party, um, Americans for Prosperity uh, and this. Um, and what we set out to do was create an organization that genuinely works for regular folks, um, something that asks people uh, what they would like to see done at the legislature and then goes and does it. It's a really crazy concept. That's insane. Apparently we're the only ones. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, um, the idea came, uh, it, it kind of struck me when, uh, I, I was in Dallas in your presence trying to find a way to impress you. 
Um, <laughs> so, so, so I, I came up with the, I fired my best shot and, uh, you said it was not a bad idea and, uh, yes. here we are. <laughs> so, so this all started 100%. You're in front of me and you're like, I'm in front of Spike Cohen. The was man star-struck. who is about, the man who is about to, to place third in his race for <laughs> vice president of I assume many other people running third place. That's, you know, it is what it is. And, uh, and I have, I have to say something that gets me on the podium. Exactly. This man is about to get on the proverbial podium for the white house. And I have to say something. What am I going to say? I'm doing a grassroots lobbying group in Tennessee. And, and, and now you actually, you called your own bluff, and now you're doing it. No, tell tell us a little bit about uh, about some of the things. I was just beyond impressed with what you were able to accomplish, you and and Josh, in such a short period. You know, when you said we're going to go out on 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 Tennessee Capitol Hill, I'm assuming the first year is just spent, you know, kind of getting in there, getting to know people, you know, starting trying to make relationships. Maybe you you get some proposals out there. I was utterly shocked with what you were able to accomplish. Tell us a little bit about what you were able to do in your very first year. Uh, in in under the Tennessee Capitol. Yeah, well, I mean, we had established relationships going into this. Um, we at one time um, ran the largest Libertarian Party affiliate in the country, according yep. to the former national chair, uh, and we would regularly every month see somewhere between sixty and eighty people, um, and you know, just the regular monthly meetings. And what we were doing was, uh, we were acknowledging that we didn't know everything about the way government works because it's one thing to say it shouldn't be this way and it's another thing to figure out how to fix it um so the more knowledge that you could pour into somebody's lap the better informed they are when it comes to decision making time i mean that's the basic logic uh so we would run uh, elected officials through our meetings and let them tell us what they were doing in the community and what was going on. And we'd partner with uh, a, a representative on, you know, constitutional carry legislation or decrim legislation or, you know, an, a, a number of different civil asset forfeiture stuff. I mean, a number of different things uh, and made friends that way. Uh, and that kind of, gave us a ramp to get into uh, doing this. So it wasn't starting completely from scratch, but right, right, right. same time, it's not like we've got a lot of connections or allies or people willing to stick their neck out for us right now either. <laughs> right, 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 right. So ta- so uh, give a couple of examples, like what are some of the big things that you were able to accomplish uh, for 2021? Well, I am, we got three bills through out of 12 that we were trying to get through. Um, and um, we got one bill through that uh, honestly we thought was a really good bill pertaining to civil asset forfeiture um, in Tennessee uh, prior to this legislation. Um, the agency that seized your property was responsible for attorney's fees um, up to $3,500 or uh, 25% of the property value. Uh, the average seizure that we've seen in Tennessee is somewhere, maybe not even $2,000, which means that you're getting four or 500 bucks for your 
defense, which means you're not getting a defense. So uh, we got rid of the 25% language and we got that moved. uh, We got the cap moved to $10,000 thinking the calculus now changed and, you know, police have to think there's a chance we're going to pay out $10,000 in legal expense for a $3,000 forfeiture. Um, It's not worth it. Yeah. So um, like I say, logically, it sounds like a great bill, but um, I spoke to uh, the head of uh, Defense Attorneys Association here in Tennessee, and he told me that nobody ever gets reimbursed for those fees anyway. Like, never. Like, he's never known anybody that's ever gotten reimbursed for it because they write the rules on how how the reimbursement works, too, and you can only get it in one place in the entire state. So, you know, certain places, if you want to challenge for your um, your compensation, you got to drive six hours one way to get to the court where you can challenge it. Good times. I remember that. I remember when you talked about that reform. So they actually have it. I assumed that it was whatever the same system is that they use to reimburse public defenders or people that are providing defense in general. So they actually have a special system. Tennessee is the only state, um, according to Institute for Justice, because they're working with us on uh, civil asset forfeiture stuff. Uh, But uh, according to my source, Uh, Institute for Justice, Tennessee is the only state that uses an administrative court system. And that administrative court system is the courtroom is at the Department of Safety. Uh, It's not held in a courthouse. It it doesn't ever see an actual elected judge. It's not in a court of record. You're not entitled to defense. None of that stuff in Tennessee. Wow. So in theory, what you passed was a good thing there. Uh, really, in actual practice, you're finding out it's 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 not maybe, what you were thinking of. But now, point. but there were some other things that you did pass that were pretty good as well. Tell us about that. So we had a bill that would have uh, prevented uh, anybody at the city, county, or state level um, from naming businesses essential or non-essential the next time that we have pandemic chaos or whatever. Um, uh, governor didn't like not being able to make that call. So we amended the bill and got him off of it, but we did pass it uh, so that cities and counties can no longer do that. Um, well, governor's the only one that can do that now. So um, <clears throat> not the entire win, but close. Um, and then the biggest one we got um, is uh, probably the strongest police reform bill that's been passed uh, in the last few years, since everything's been on fire every summer for the last couple of years. Um, And uh, we did it in Tennessee and we did it. We got, there were zero no votes on this bill. Um, So I can't take all the credit. I will say that I I did not talk to 132 members in the legislature, but um, yeah, the governor the governor in the state uh, has a mind to do some criminal justice reform items. Um, so uh, we found out in about midway through the process that uh, uh, he was pushing in our direction as well. So it kind of lightened load on that one. But that particular bill um, banned no-knock raids outright, uh, requires de-escalation training. It uh, has limitations around firing at moving vehicles. It uh, is duty to um, intervene if That's a, a big one. Yeah, uh, duty to intervene That's... and duty to report are both in there. I mean, it's a really, really solid bill. And again, 
no zero no votes in the entire legislature on that bill. So uh, something we were happy to see and something that gives us a little hope for some of these other things that we'd like to see done. Yeah, that's fantastic, man. And that duty to intervene, I know a lot of people focused on the the, the no-knock raids and the chokeholds and stuff like that. Um, duty to intervene in the last few months after talking with people in other police departments and other states uh, and other public defenders and, and also some prosecutors, in many states, they have the exact opposite. They have a duty not to intervene. They have a duty to observe and report, which literally means, we, you know, when you often will see a police officer standing by another police officer while they murder someone or beat them up or do something that's obviously a violation of the law and the person's rights that they're that they're violating, uh, they actually just stand there. And, and often, in many states, it's because they have a duty not to intervene. If they intervene, yeah. they actually get charged for breaking the law. They're supposed to just observe what they saw and then report it to uh either their superior or internal affairs or however it works in the in their in their uh department or in their state um tennessee has the opposite they're actually required legally to intervene so that's it that alone is a huge thing but coupled with the rest of the reforms in that bill that that was a huge uh reform of policing practices it really was and again i mean when you really think about the things that are in that bill and them being passed in a state that has a Republican supermajority and yep. is a Republican stronghold. Um, it's definitely encouraging um, uh, because there's a lot of room to improve uh, in the criminal justice system for sure. Um, and this, this shows that there's definitely a willingness to look at it uh, with an open mind. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's amazing. Um, so before we get into it's, this is in the comments, before we get into uh, some of the stuff that you have coming up for 2022, I need to address something that the scientific libertarian has mentioned in the comments and on posts that they I, I don't know if it's a he or she keep tagging me in uh, uh, about their plan B, which I don't know what plan A was, but I really would like to revisit plan A, but their plan B of confiscating fecal matter from Tom Brady for I don't know what but something about how that helps with the gut biome I don't I if there was a plan A I want to revisit plan A please I don't know what whatever plan like like I just want to know what plan A was because it's they got to be better than that but thank you for your input anyway um so uh Speaking of which, I guess, uh, so you have uh, eight items that are the items that you are actively working on uh, for this, for the 2022 session uh, in uh, in uh, the legislature there. Now, just uh, so I understand it, these are things you actually brought up in polling to your membership and to people who, who submitted uh, to your polling to say what the top priorities were, right? Like this wasn't just chosen randomly. Yeah. So um, as you alluded to earlier, I, we alluded to earlier, I, the idea is to um, kind of serve the general public. So what right. we do is we spend a lot of time uh, putting issues out with explainers and asking people their opinions on them. Uh, and then uh, 
after you know we get so many of these different things out there we will have a vote and what they vote on becomes a short list and uh then it's you know what bills can we get filed and uh you know i how much capacity do we have to work or how many bills can we work how can we consolidate them all those different things so um i think we've landed on i think it's about 14 bills i haven't counted recently uh but i think it's 14 pieces of uh legislation that we have uh, on the sheet total and yeah like four bills are civil asset forfeiture bills um there are three um that are on bond reform and then there's you know ballot access bill there's a um, two on facial recognition or um, data collection you know the information state kind of stuff um so a a nice wide diverse uh, set of uh, policies because we want there to be something for everybody to love in that um and nothing for anybody to hate you know um you can disagree with with some of that stuff i mean you can think that police need an extra source of income and still not think that uh, or think that they should not be allowed to use facial recognition technology. Um, yes. So anyway, we try to set it up with the vote. Um, I, so they we don't work on anything that the membership does not improve. People that give us money do not approve. Uh, and then the other thing is, is we do keep all those buckets separate. Uh, so if you want to donate, you can donate to whatever issue oh. is important to you and you don't have to worry about your money going to something that, you know, is not or against your interests. Okay, I like that. So you're actually... You're not just saying, you know, we want your input on what we do and what we don't do. And if there's any kind of significant pushback, we're not going to do certain things. You're even saying even after that, you actually segregate these things from each other. And if someone only wants to give to this specific thing or these or everything but this specific thing, they can continue doing that. I like that. Okay, cool. So this is based. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, we looked around at other nonprofits and, uh, you know, that operate in this policy space. And what we found over and over again was every single thing out there um, has this has a board or a group of people that set an agenda. And then they come out and ask everybody to buy into their agenda and throw money at it. And the problem with that is there's so many different things that we're divided on these days that it's hard for a person to find something that works only toward everything that they want. Uh, So we thought, let's let them vote. And that means that we're going to get a more accurate representation of what they want. And then on top of that, we'll segregate it. So if anything gets through that they don't like, they don't have to feel obligated or they they don't have to feel like their money's going to something that they don't want to do. I think it's a, I think, I really think it's a paradigm shift in the structure of a nonprofit. And I think it's why we will inevitably, we are inevitable because of the way this works, I think. I was going to say, there are so many people, I know a lot of people, even in the libertarian spheres, who, you know, civil asset forfeiture, they're behind getting rid of or at least greatly reforming it, Um, you know, uh, certainly decriminalizing marijuana, uh, you know, ballot access stuff. But the bond reform thing might scare them. Maybe they, may, and it may even be because they don't aren't fully informed on it. But they look at bond reform and go, "Well, you know what? I want uh, you know criminals to to you know not have easier ways to get out." I know that yours is addressing nonviolent bond, but I'm just giving an example of like 
And if someone is strongly enough about that, that that sours them on the whole thing or just keeps them from from helping or donating or being involved. But where you say, no, you don't even have you can you could support every other single thing on here except for that. That allows for that kind of decentralization. I, I think it's great. So let's go over these. Uh, like you said, you've got them. They're in uh, 14 bills in eight broad categories. Um, so I'm going to just do them in the order that you have them numbered here. Uh, the first one are uh, a few bills that uh, either limit or uh, eliminate civil asset forfeiture. Why don't we go over those? Sure. So, um, again, the way this uh, the state works currently is we have this administrative court system, and it is – a bureaucratic court um, yeah. that doesn't abide by the same rules of any court system in the state. Um, so I, the we have one big goal to, or one big bill that would end it entirely. Uh, yeah. It would end the administrative court system. It would turn everything into a criminal seizure and it would even leave some carve outs for the, semi-truck that's picked up on the side of the road that's got you know a hundred thousand dollars and a couple uh, kilos of cocaine inside of a locked trailer and the driver doesn't know whose it is or who he's driving for or any of that stuff right, right, so right. Uh, it, it leaves those carve outs in it uh, and we think it actually has a good chance uh, based on the conversation that we had uh, last year in subcommittee uh, on some of our bills there were a handful of reps and most of them were lawyers uh, that were suggesting that the whole thing needed to be in a court of record. And that's exactly what this bill does. So um, it's a first bite at the apple. So not a lot of them have heard this yet. Uh, And it's an election year. Uh, So the goal is to move through session as fast as possible and not bring up a whole lot of controversial things. So, and it could be deemed as controversial and something that they need to think about for a year before they really actually act on it. But I I, I think it's got a legitimate chance at passage, uh, particularly in the house. Um, So, uh, but if we, if we get that one through, we don't need any of the rest of the bills that we have, uh, which is kind of great. The the rest of the bills that we have, uh, two of them are carryovers from last year. Um, One of them removes a $350 bond that you have to pay before you can attempt to try to get your stuff back from the uh, agency that took it from you. Um, uh, True story. It's exactly how it works by law. Wow. Uh, And it's $350. So if they took some cash and a car and a gun, it's three $350 bonds. So, um, yes. So no joke. Um, so we had a it's bill last year. Straight up would, highway robbery. Right. So, <laughs> so we had a, it's a fee in order to attempt to get property that was taken from you when they didn't charge you or convict you of a crime. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> So at any rate, we got the bill passed through the relevant committees and it got hung up in finance last year uh, and ended up what's called behind the budget, which means it was passed, but it didn't get funded. Uh, So it's sitting there this year uh, and we're hoping to get it funded this year. Um, We've got another bill that's in the same boat, actually. Um, But so that one is from last year and we've got a reporting bill 
uh, that got shot down from last year, because right now we don't know how many criminal convictions are eventually tied to a civil forfeiture. Um, so we think that's a relevant piece of information if we would yeah. like to know how much of a problem we have in a state where we average somewhere between 15 and $18 million seized through civil forfeiture every year. Um, so, um, and then the, the last one we have um, is actually targeted at Tennessee Wildlife Resource Agency. Uh, and it would make them uh, run all of their seizures through a court of record. Um, so, uh, because they handle it all in house in TWRA, oversees the seizure proceedings for the stuff that TWRA seizes. <laughs> That's incredible. So, and it, th that would also make it where the uh, it's deposited into a general fund and not in their agency, which kind of disincentivizes the whole thing because you're no longer getting to keep this money for your agency. It's going into a general fund. So it's not like you're getting any additional money. Correct. Now, that section is probably not going to actually make it through because okay. the fiscal note uh, attached to the bill. So you draft a bill, you file the bill, the bill um, gets a review by uh, fiscal review, which assesses whether or not it's going to cost or bring in money. Um, right. And uh, the fiscal review on that particular line um, suggested that the state could lose $27 million in federal funding uh, if it diverts that money to the general fund. So I don't expect that piece of it to go very far, but we might be able to take the rest of it with it. Hopefully so. And like you said, hopefully we just, you can just completely scrap this entire civil asset forfeiture right. and that you don't have to worry about it anymore. We actually got a question from Doug Haynes. Uh, asking why would a bill that eliminates a bond require funding to be able to be a, a part actually um because theoretically there are x amount of seizures a year say there's ten thousand seizures in a year um okay. then a, each one's paying three hundred and fifty dollars ten thousand times three hundred and fifty what three and a half million or three hundred fifty yeah whatever whatever it is okay. okay. three hundred and fifty and some zeros um yeah. and uh, if you get rid of the bond they would lose that revenue so it's a decrease so they have to a, a decrease in revenue is so so you know whatever whatever their version of the congressional budget office says it's going to cost they have to have right. that actually worked into the budget in case in case right. it actually costs that much okay all right cool well so we know that and see these are the types of things that like you said, it's one thing to say government shouldn't run this way. It's another way to actually look at the mechanism and say, okay, great, it shouldn't run this way. Who do we talk to about changing it? How do we get it changed? And then how do we actually make sure the change happens? And how does right. that work? Um, so it's, you know, this is the part libertarians often hate because we hate the entire function. But if we, you want to actually get it done, you have to know these things and you have to work through it. We just don't have the patience um, uh, and for the minutia uh, and the nuance that is required to be, you know, actually successful in an effort to change things. We constantly jump the gun and yell really loud and get yeah. mad because nothing happened when we yelled really loud. It's just not the way that the the game that we're forced to play works. Yes. And you would say that because you're not a real libertarian. So anyway, the uh, uh, 
actually. <laughs> no, I know, I know. You're like such a fake libertarian. Anyway, so bond reform is the second thing here. Um, and I believe this is just one bill, right? Uh, and tell us, I mentioned this, this is something that is often controversial, even in libertarian circles. What What is your bond reform bill that you're trying to get through? So uh, there's actually three bills um, oh, okay. and one does one thing that's completely separate and the other two are very, very similar. Um, but um, one of the bills is very simple. And current law in Tennessee is, uh, you know, you are arrested, you go to jail, you do whatever, you get out, you're on probation. Okay. While you're on probation, you commit some kind of offense and you violate your probation. You get a DUI. Okay. Something like that, whatever. Uh, So um, what happens is, is you're arrested for the DUI, of course. Okay. You go to jail and you bond out. Um, Two days later, your probation officer catches wind of the fact that you got a DUI. So he issues a second arrest warrant. And they go and they pick you up at work because they know that's where you're going to be and you're less likely to be armed. And that probably ends up making you lose your job. And that starts the spiral that creates dependency on the state and all these different things. Right. So all the first bill does is take that second arrest for violation of probation and turn it into a summons to court. That's all it does. Which is so instead of Right. We don't expect a whole lot of fight on that one. Um, We really think that that one will sail right through. I will be really disappointed if it doesn't, because, I mean, it's just such a minor thing and it makes perfect sense. Um, So um, but the other two bills uh, would require a judge to have, in his opinion, clear and convincing evidence that bail is required to prevent a person from fleeing uh, the jurisdiction or uh, causing harm in the community. So what the, and what that will do is open the door for a lot of people to be released on their own recognizance and show up to court and save a ton of tax dollars um, on um, pre-incarcerate or pre-sentencing uh, incarceration. Um, there's a, Institute, uh, a, a group called the Sycamore Institute in Tennessee that's um, tied loosely to the state and has funding from a lot of uh, prominent institutions in the state. And they did a study in two, 2017 that said 51% of all the dollars spent on incarceration in Tennessee were spent on people that had not yet been convicted of a crime. People really? that were. Yes, people that 51%, right, people that were sitting there because they couldn't afford to bond out or something along those lines uh, cost more than the people that have actually committed crimes and been convicted. So this this we hope helped that scenario. Yes, over half. Wow. Yes, this would definitely help that scenario. Now, one thing I will say, I mean, hopefully this gets passed. One thing I will say, I actually talked with a, uh, a judge or actually a retired judge who talked to me about, and there's actually a, a, a phrase they use to describe this problem when it comes to bail decisions and, thing, and sentencing decisions and leniency decisions and things like that. A judge, especially an elected judge. So theoretically, let's say a judge has 100 cases in front of them. And out of and there and they tend to be a more lenient judge. And so, 
you know, unless someone poses a clear and uh, present uh, danger to the public, they tend to err on the side of letting that person go or on giving, the, you know, uh, letting them have some kind of uh, a parole or probation instead of sentencing them or letting them out on their bond. If we're talking about this type of thing or letting them out without a bond and 99 out of those 100 times. Uh, it, they go, you know, very smoothly or a, a hundred out of hundred times. It goes very smoothly. There's no news story about that. People don't go, Oh, local judge is very lenient on, uh, you know, people can, uh, um, being, um, accused of crimes. What a great thing. And they interview people who go, Oh, I could have been in jail right now, but I'm not, I'm at home with my family. If one of those people unrelated to what they were even in there for goes off and robs a bank or kills someone or whatever, the story is yeah. lenient judge causes death of, you know, daycare workers or whatever ends up happening. And so right. even even with nothing but good actors, there's this fear among among judges or I shouldn't say fear. There's this tendency among many judges to just be really, really tough because especially elected judges, because they're not rewarded for. The times that they're the the vast majority of the time that their leniency leads to a net positive, they're punished for when it doesn't. This still at least gives them that option instead of creating this statutory requirement uh, that they come in. But sort of in the same token that the uh, that the um, the uh, civil asset forfeiture thing didn't go quite originally the way that that everyone was hoping. I, I wonder. I will be interested to see if this bond, if if that bond reform gets passed as well. The first one you said is like you said, that's a no brainer. You've already been arrested. You're already being right. you know processed. Having a second arrest that simply muddles the process, costs taxpayer money, probably loses you your job. That makes no sense. I don't think there's going to be any issue right. there. I will be interested to see if that other bond reform gets passed. How much resistance there is by judges to being maybe slightly more lenient because of that issue. I don't know if you've, if you've talked to anyone about that, but that, that would be yeah. a, an, an interest of mine, how that would play out. Yeah. The, the, the particular, the, that clear and convincing language uh, that represents a 75% threshold of certainty uh, that a okay. judge has to have. So they have some wiggle room there for sure. Uh, okay. And it's still to their discretion. Um but you're right. Uh, that story would be the story that breaks. The problem is, is that story is always going to be the story that breaks on any yes. of these things. And, yep. you know, we, the people have to be smart enough to realize that that's uh, part of a scare tactic that's intentional, yes. that it has a part particular mission to it, you know? Um, so, uh, but we're actually in pretty good shape on this bill. Um like I, I think it's got a better than 50% chance of passage. Um, the person that is bringing the bill in the Senate are, uh, well, one bill is a Republican bill and the other bill is a, a Democrat bill. Okay. Uh, and uh, the, the Republican bill is actually arguably stronger. There's one line um, in the Democrat bill that references um bail um, having to be set at a dollar amount that could be paid by the individual, you know, um, uh, that that line is not in the Republican bill and where I'm in talks about trying to get that line added to it. Um, yeah. But the Senator who's sponsoring the bill is the chair of the judiciary committee that would hear the bill. 
um, uh, initially, and the um, sponsor in the House is the chair of the Civil Ju Justice Committee that would hear the bill initially. Um, that's that's good because those are their committees and those are the committees that they have to go through. Um, also, there's a different senator um, who has been touring the state uh, and having conversations about bail reform and stuff like this. And he's the number three guy in the Senate, um, mm -hmm. a Republican, all that good stuff. So um, so this is something that he, he was passionate about. And he had a component um, that was the 75% threshold in a different bill that we had on our list, but he pulled that section off. And now his bill is just a... Uh, bond uh, bail bondsman licensing scheme um, but I, I wonder if he pulled his off because this bill is similar enough to his language and everybody's say, yeah. happy with that particular bill and we're going to talk about a couple different ways to uh, regulate bondsmen and that's going to be the real topic of discussion uh, in this session around bond yeah, I I was going to say when you were saying that I thought well maybe that's just because he knows the this or and or the other bill are largely addressing what we're in his anyway so um, that's good I mean it, it, there's certainly a taxpayer savings uh, argument to be made here if nothing else especially if you're saying over half is people that haven't even been uh, and, uh, convicted I yet. think everybody realizes that in the state too I mean even the people that are uh, you know, um, or pro law enforcement or however you would describe it, you know, tough on crime. Uh, I think that they even they realize that the founding fathers wrote the Constitution and you had certain rights for certain reasons. And if you were not yes. a threat to society, you were not supposed to be sitting and rotting in a jail cell. Uh, your day in court will come and your penalty will be assessed. I mean, it is what it is. So, yeah. yeah. No, it's a, it's a nonviolent, you know, you specified nonviolent crimes here. And right. if it's a nonviolent crime, that means the likelihood of this person being a, a, a th threat to the public is markedly lower, which means it's basically they're being imprisoned for being poor. And that's a, without being charged, without being convicted of anything yet. So, okay, so this oh, next one. Long time for sure. Yes, absolutely. So I, I hopefully it will pass. Um, next one, automatic criminal record expungement which I absolutely love. Talk, talk to us about this. Um, so I've learned a lot on this one, and there's definitely some nuance in this that I didn't really think about. Um, okay. And it seems to that's kind of these two bills that are here that you see there are um, one's a Republican bill, one's a Democrat bill. The Republican bill uh, clarifies that just because you got a new offense doesn't mean that you can't have an old qualifying expense um, uh, offense expunged. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's a, a small cleanup bill, nice and easy, yeah. Uh, yeah. but one that works for sure. Um, the, uh, the Democrat bill is an automatic expungement. Once your time elapsed, qualifying offenses, all that good stuff. Cause there's an expungement system that exists in Tennessee right now. Um, if you, uh, meet certain things, like you were never convicted, um, stuff still hits your record. Um, and you can get those things expunged or with no charge. If you have a conviction, you have to pay a fee and fill out a form, but it's an easy process. I'm not saying it's not, um, <coughs> The, the Democrat bill would make that process entirely automatic. Um, but there's a question about 
whether or not there should be a place that stores the sealed records of the expungement or if it just disappears because there've been some cases in which the person who was guilty of the offense had to yeah. go back and get that documentation and that documentation doesn't exist in a typical expungement. Oh, um, okay. So, right. So there's some, there's some nuance there that I'm honestly yeah. still trying to catch up on because I didn't realize it was there when I picked it up. Um, but the bill general, this bill would create a, sealed records vault essentially that could only be accessed by a lawyer uh, uh, the the lawyers and the judge working a case that pertain to the individual or the individual yeah. itself um so with those stipulations in it i don't really see a huge issue with that um but one of the uh the the gentleman that's running the other bill um, on expungement that you see there. Uh, he's actually the number two guy in the house, uh, Republican. He's the, uh, majority leader. Uh, and, um, he intimated that and if you have an expungement, it should just be gone. It shouldn't be sitting in a sealed record somewhere for, you know, it to come back and bite you on the back end. So, um, I don't know. They, we're going to, we're going to use this bill to test the waters. I uh, yeah. can't say that I expect it to go incredibly far, uh, but we're going to have some conversations. We're going to learn about some uh, reasons that people might oppose it and see if we can come out with a more perfect bill next year. Yeah, I was going to say, because the fact that the number two Republican, their concern is privacy in the future, that bodes well for whatever this ends up looking like passing because if that's the concern as well if we create this thing it could bite them in the future which is the whole point of why we're trying to let them get expunged that's the kind of answers you want to hear right like you want to hear concerns about that but wouldn't that be ironic you get something expunged then you have to prove it was expunged but you can't because it was expunged Uh, I know. I know. Well, can you and just I, look I, me I, up I, and see that I don't have a I don't have anything on my record? No, we have to know proof that it's expunged. But I, it was expunged. Yes, but we need proof. There's no proof that. So, yeah, that yeah. is that's interesting. That's a process question. But it but was. that will be good. You you run it through. You see what the process concerns are going to be, and then either in this session or the next one, you can uh, you can bring in the the more perfect bill and actually get this done. Hopefully, the other cleanup one gets done in the meantime. Yeah, it's it's uh, had it's already gone through two committees. Uh, it's already passed uh, the two committees and is ready to get funded. Nice, nice. Um, the the funding thing is interesting because I've heard that at the at the congressional at the federal level, but a lot of people don't realize something can get passed, and then if it hasn't been funded, it's like it hasn't been passed, and so then right. you have to go back and say, can you fund this? Because otherwise, it's an unfunded mandate. Um, right. which if that's social security or Medicare, that's perfectly fine, but everything else, you know, has to be funded. Um, <laughs> everything so, else, it's a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> everything else is a Ponzi scheme, uh, not requiring a bond, uh, to get your own stuff back. That was taken without, uh, any kind of conviction. It's a, such a scam. We got to make sure this is funded first. Uh, so, okay. So number four, um, I like, and, and, uh, it's basically different alternatives, uh, to, incarceration or pretrial detention. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's the two bond bills I was just covering. I apologize oh, for okay. it being uh, um, formatted the way that it I is. I see. Okay. Okay. Kind of, okay. Yeah. 
flattered it. But yeah, but that's, that, that's the two bond bills that require the 75% threshold before judge says bond. No, I like it. I like it. I, I'm I'm a huge fan of bond reform. I think if if my two and I know all the arguments against this, but if my two options are the status quo or the absolute elimination of bond for all things and the judge has to flat out say that this person's a threat or else they get to go on their own recognizance, I would go with that. So I'm a, I'm a huge bond reform right. fan in general. I'm about as I'm almost as much of an absolutionist. Uh, on that as I as you as absolutist on this as I can be uh so number five go ahead I was gonna say you'd find yourself in good company with some of those guys that helped write the constitution and found the nation and signed off on the work that yeah and did. would did tar and feather politicians and stuff yeah no right. that that so that's a, a total side note here it is very interesting to see that this country which was founded by some of the what we would consider to be you know like straight up insurgent extremists god rest their souls uh now and understandably so with the concern of stability and things like that people you know we get together once a year this is has nothing to do with anything you're doing but we get together once a year and we shoot off rockets to commemorate the war that happened between the people that were in charge back then and the people who wanted to kill them and and who then won and then created a new country that where there was going to be protections and everything and then and then we turn around and anyway uh it's it's a very interesting thing but I mean, uh but yeah what i would point out is you know the country was essentially founded by a group of guys that got drunk in a bar dressed up as indians went and jumped on a boat started throwing tea yes. in the ocean and gave the middle finger to the king, telling him yes. to come and take it. And, yes. uh, you know, just a few days ago, we had Homeland Security put out a threat warning about domestic terrorists being interested in their individual rights and stuff like Everyone. that. Everyone. What world do we live in, man? <laughs> if you post on social media your concerns about COVID-19 restrictions, you are... A potential domestic terrorist and will be treated thusly anyway <laughs> well, uh so, spike. <laughs> no i i it's, well listen if i'm not on i need to be on i I've, i say this many times because people are like oh I'm, how do you know you're not they're not tracking you i'm like if i'm not being actively monitored by at least like seven national governments then they're then they're not somebody's doing, doing, doing their job someone <laughs> is failing someone is failing anyway so number five uh number five uh, is uh, one of our favorites, of course, decriminalizing marijuana. And this actually has, you know, the stereotype in the South. I live in South Carolina where we treat mm-hmm. weed like heroin. Uh, and right. I mean, it's it's bad. Here, so the stereotype is that there's like no appetite for this, uh, for this kind of stuff, even with cannabis. Uh, how has this, these, tell us about what, what you're trying to pass and how is, how have these been received so far? Well, this bill is, again, a different bite at the apple. Um, This bill puts a question on the ballot. Um, It does not. It's a non-binding referendum. uh, So it doesn't create law regardless of how the vote goes. But it will tell the the legislators uh, where the registered voters in the state land on three questions, uh, decriminalization, legalization, and medical. Um, It's being brought by like 
the guy that has a life-size cutout of Trump in his office uh, is the House sponsor on the bill, and a Democrat is the Senate sponsor on the bill. So um, we're going to go out and work this bill. And, uh, you know, the, the House sponsor told me that he thinks that the people should be able to decide the question. Um, and we're going to go out and we're going to lobby uh, everybody else to vote on this bill by asking them the question. It's really simple. Do you yeah. think the people should be able to weigh in on this question? That's really, that's, that's all, that's all this is. If you support it, that's what you support. If you do not yeah. support it, then you do not support people's voice being heard and self-governance and all those fun things that we talk about as conservatives that we want to see. Well, I mean, this is literally, do you think people should be allowed to give a public poll as to whether or not they support this thing with, like you said, there's no binding here at all. There's no obligation at all. Interestingly enough, you mentioned life-size cutout of Trump. Trump has said multiple times he thinks that cannabis should be legal uh, and that uh, he he would have uh, signed any bill uh, that had gotten in front of him that did that. And I I tend to, uh, uh, I believe when he says that because... He's been kind of consistent on that for quite some time, even before he was in politics. So I, I tend to think that was actually true. I, I think it, 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 the fact that we're still having this conversation, despite the fact that the vast majority uh, of people support either full legalization, decriminalization, or or at least, you know, uh, greatly um honestly they support full, i mean it's like in the 60 70 percentile range support full legalization and yet we're still having to play these baby steps at, at many state and the federal level it just shows how government's like the lagging indicator of the will of the people but i yeah no i i, I will be hopefully this gets in and, and people will be and like you said in your in your notes here uh 92 percent of uh of uh, arrests related to cannabis were just for possession so even if you're like, oh, but the drug dealer, the, this is just people possessing right. cannabis. Right. Small amounts because possession is a small amount. Um, a, a intent to distribute is a different crime. Uh, yep. And you get intent to distribute, I think, if you're holding anything over an ounce. So, I mean, we're not talking about, yeah, we're not talking about people moving gigantic amounts of drugs. Or even multiple bags. Like I remember back in the day, of my previous life where one of the first things I would do if I got multiple bags was put it all in one bag because that was a crime to have, you know, I was like, Oh, you're distributing. It's like, no, it just came in more than one bag. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, not that I've ever done drugs or anything like that, but, uh, uh, but number six, cause in South Carolina, you want to talk about a reform needed South Carolina, there is no statute of limitations for anything. Really? Anything. Wow. And I know uh, that because I have great memory because I've never done drugs in my entire life. Not in South Carolina. (laughs) (laughs) Ever. It's probably a good thing that you haven't done them in South Carolina. Anytime I even considered it, I would just go over to North Carolina where they do have a statute of limitations. Then I'd come back to South Carolina. Once it was completely out of my system, I'd sober up and then come back to South Carolina. Outer banks beautiful. Yes. It's good. I, thankfully, I lived close to the border. Um, so number six uh, is something that uh, is just an incredible. So minor party, party ballot access. I'm going to let you describe what this does 
And then we're going to have a talk about how this went last year, because I thought this passed last year. But tell, tell us about this. Well, it's the, the favorite libertarian pet issue. Uh, yes. Ballot access uh, for uh, everybody and not just the uh, two big boys. So in Tennessee, uh, Democrats, Republicans and independents have to have 25 signatures to get on a ballot. Uh, everybody else has to have 56,082 signatures um, to put in perspective how tall of a mountain that is in Maine. Uh, the Republican Party was trying to collect, I think it was 51,000 signatures or something like that uh, to get something on the ballot in this past election cycle. They spent $750,000, the Republican Party, who has this gigantic network, spent $750,000 and failed to get the 51,000 signatures. Um, So it is a barrier, to say the very least, and it's an unwarranted barrier. Uh, there are four states in the country that require zero signatures, um, and uh, none of those are states that are dominated by third parties or have third parties that are wildly con- uh, competitive versus the two big guys. So um, it's it's a it's a pointless number that we have that is unattainable, uh, and uh, instead of asking them to make it even and fair, we are asking them to bring us in line with the rest of the country uh, and drop our number to a something closer to the 13 to 15,000 range from that 56,000. Uh, yeah. So um, we had the votes last year in subcommittee, um, <laughs> eight people on subcommittee. Uh, we, we had five votes uh, confirmed the day of, and uh, we lost on a voice vote um somehow um despite not actually losing um yes. and uh, <laughs> and in that uh, uh in that subcommittee we had a uh, representative get up and explain the opposition to the bill in a way that uh was very truthful and commend i commend the guy for his honesty. he was honest he was really honest well. yeah Um, But I think most people would disagree with uh, his logic on that because he essentially said that we shouldn't pass the bill because if we do, people might vote for these other parties and that would take votes away from my party and your party, Mr. Sponsor. I mean, that's paraphrasing, but it's doggone close to exactly what he said. (laughs) Yeah, no, he flat out said the two things that really stood out there were, well, the fact that you had the votes, five people out of the eight said, I and then the person in charge said, yep, the nays have it. Um, so that was fun. But uh, the other, the telling thing was, and I, for, I forget that uh, representative's name, um, but he, oh, okay, yeah. And, and, he, and he said, very honestly, he said, you have Democrats and you have Republicans. And if this passes, then it could, you know, confuse things and have more people uh, not voting Democrat or Republican. And it was he, like, literally, well, he literally said, he, we have Democrats and we have Republicans. And I think everybody in Tennessee thinks one of those two ways. Yes. Yeah. There is a binary. You're, you're, yeah, no, that's what he said. You're either a Democrat or a Republican. And this could confuse things. People might start thinking there's other stuff. Well, yeah, because there is. Anyway, so, uh, but you're saying, so you believe this, you're, you're pr- fairly confident that this will pass this time, or at least in committee, it'll pass. Yeah, so um, 
the house we think we will do well in the Senate is a much bigger question mark. Uh, okay. So the strategy on this is try to move it fast in the house uh, and get it uh, to the floor or maybe even get it passed in the house and then try to slam it through the Senate with, uh, a, you know, a, being able to tell them it's already passed the house. We're just waiting on y'all. Um, and so uh, we went back, the subcommittee is the same this year as it was last year. We went back to our five yes votes made sure that they were all still with us. They all said they were, uh, okay. had a conversation with the chairman who I would like to reiterate swears he didn't do it on purpose. Uh, and, uh, he knows that he, the bill's coming back and, uh, did not say anything like, oh, well, I'm going to kill it or anything like that. You know, yeah, he yeah. just told me to make sure that people speak up because he knows what happened last time. Okay. Yes. Uh, and he literally did tell me that make sure you know, particular people speak up. Um, Enunciate. So, I yeah. yes. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna run it through subcommittee next uh, next week, uh, barring any flukes, and uh, that'll have it ready for the full committee. Um, looking at the full committee, uh, I think seventy five percent. There's like twenty on the full committee, um, and I think I think probably fifteen of them have either co-sponsored the bill last year or the year before i haven't chased down co-sponsors this year uh so they all know what it is uh and i think we've got a, a strong majority in the full committee as well so um i'd be surprised if we didn't get it to the house floor at the very least um whether or not we can get it to pass in the house um i think we can but i can't say with 100 percent certainty uh and like I say the senate's going to be a much bigger chore We'll see. I the further the closer you get to it, the more it gets normalized. The more the idea right. of like, hey, uh, and and the thing is, Tennessee's constitution mandates that your elections are free and equal. So this yep. doesn't even try to be free, free, truly free and equal. Would be the same twenty five signatures that Republicans and Democrats and Independents have to get. This is saying let's let's break the let's split the difference. You know, right now we're at absurd amount. Let's go to less absurd amount instead of actually free and equal. So I think it's a perfect, a, a reasonable compromise. So uh, yeah. at least that less absurd amount is possibly attainable, whereas the an absurd amount yeah. that we have now is not. It's not. No. The, in fact, the Libertarian Party of Tennessee doesn't even try because 56,000 yeah. is more like 110,000, 120,000, whatever. It, it's yeah. It, yeah, that's yeah. So, OK, so number seven. Uh, this is actually two bills that would e- each of them in a different way restrict facial recognition use by uh, by the government and by law enforcement. Talk to us about that. Sure. Um, so, yeah, it's two pieces. Um, the I think the first one that's listed there, I'm not looking at the list. Uh, the uh, well, they're both bill bills um, that it, actually they both have the same two sponsors um, at any rate. <laughs> One of the two bills is based off of uh, New Hampshire code. So New Hampshire ba- passed a, um, a ban on law enforcement uh, use of uh, facial recognition technology at the city, county, and state level. Uh, and it, I, in doing my homework, I found it, read over it. It's a really good-looking bill. Ran it through um, the folks out at Libertas. Uh, ran it through um ij folks um a handful of uh, professors out here at local universities uh and just kind of got their feedback and stuff on it and this is what came out in the wash um 
the bill um, would prevent currently as it's written, the state couldn't touch, like nobody could provide information through facial recognition tech to the state and the state act on it. Like they, they, they can't do anything at all with facial recognition with this bill. Um, and so it might have to have a slight opening in it. Cause you know, I would imagine, you know, Bridgestone arena where we have Preds hockey games and uh, you know, we've got, concerts and stuff you know maybe they've got an unruly fan or something um and they banned him from the building and that's the way they or the reason they use this but you know outside the building one night he tried to get in he gets in this gigantic fight and they can identify him because they're using this technology on their premises you know i i, I kind of wonder if there needs to be a carve out where they could say hey this happened outside we have it on video we also know who your suspect is because we have this technology as right. it's written right now the police couldn't act on it that way um but i like i say it's a that's a conversation that i'm having with uh legal counsel in the senate right now um and the senate sponsor um but nonetheless very good very clean bill cut and dry they can't use it bottom line um and the other bill is actually about um communications like uh, electronic communications um currently i the there's no warrant required to search any of the any of the databases that they have access to none at all like they they can call up your you know cable company or whatever and say hey i need this and they don't have to have a warrant to do it which how does that even pass constitutional muster don't they i mean any idea i don't have any idea but i i i I, so this bill there's an organization in tennessee called the beacon center that does a lot of more economic leaning uh, liberty oriented issues uh and um they actually wrote this bill and we're partnering with them on it. Uh, and uh, I, when they handed me this language, you know, I'm pulling it up because the way these bills work, it's like, you know, this code, this piece of code is amended yep, by yep. deleting and substituting this. Yep, so yep. I'm like reading it in the code and yeah, the, the code as it's written now is just like, yeah, if a DA asks, you got to give it to them. If a police ask, you got to give it to them. I mean, it's it's as simple as that. This strikes me, and it's good that you're that you're addressing this with this bill. This strikes me as one of those things that obviously is going to, absent being removed by this by this change, is going to end up in front of the courts, the federal courts, oh, yeah. and they're going to go, the Fourth Amendment. You can't like you have to have a warrant for this kind of stuff. There's no reason that you would do. There's no. Uh, uh, you know, absent some kind of immediate exigent threat or something like there's absolutely no reason you should be able to casually call someone's cable company. And be like, yeah, yeah, we need all their information. We need all their communication. Like that's, you know, you're going to get more from someone's communications than you can from searching their house. Like, give me yeah. a break. Um, well, let's be real here. I mean, let me give you an anecdote. Uh, true story yeah. from uh, week before, not this past week, but the week before. Um, I was on the Hill, um, in the Senate trying to find somebody to sponsor the full on ban on facial recognition. Right. Uh, I was, you know, going office to office asking who wants it. Right. Um, and I walked into this one guy's office because he was suggested to me by somebody 
and I'm having this conversation with him about what the bill would do and what the New Hampshire legislation looked like and all that good stuff. And I'm explaining the Fourth Amendment general warrants uh, as to a, a term lawmaker to, to a, a lawmaker, lawmaker. state yes. senator. Uh, and as I'm doing this, he cuts me off and says, I don't know a lot about history or the Constitution, so I don't know if I'd be the guy to run this bill. So, I mean, you can you can say, how does it pass constitutional muster? The answer is because the people that are there that swear the oath to it um, don't know what it says. Uh, so they say that they're protecting it and protecting your rights and all that stuff. But they don't know what the heck they're doing no anyway. Clue. have no yeah. clue. That is incredible, I mean, which is why stuff gets struck down constantly. So this actually, I mean, th- this arguably is also a taxpayer savings because that is inevitably going to go to the courts and the state's oh, going to spend a fortune fighting it uh, only yep. for the Supreme, either a, either a, uh, uh, it may only go as far as a, uh, as a, um, a circuit court uh, and, and turn down from appeal by the Supreme Court, or it might make it all the way to the Supreme Court. But at some point that is uh, going to not pass muster in front of a court and however many hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars will be spent by the Tennessee right. taxpayer fighting it in the meantime. What a right. bunch of nonsense. Yeah. Uh, Nashville uh, has already passed an ordinance banning uh, the use of facial recognition technology yep. for yep. Nashville police, or, or I guess Metro police. Um, so uh, that's a big step in the right direction. Obviously, it sends a signal to the legislature in theory that, you know, even the the, the left cities that you would think are the, um, you know, ones that want to track everybody everywhere they go, um, you know, those, they're, they're willing to, they're not trying to track everybody. So hopefully, I the Republican legislature will be responsive to it because honestly, so I've got the same sponsor in the house on both of those bills, but that, that particular sponsor has a handful of things that are going to be fights. uh, And he wants us to move uh, the, uh, the, the, the outright ban to another sponsor. So something that I'm trying to do is locate another sponsor. I've literally talked to at least 15, maybe more like 20 uh, uh, different Republicans in the house asking them if they would like to sponsor that bill. And nobody, nobody wants to do it. Everybody, everybody shine away from it for a number of different reasons. It sounds like we may have to uh, uh, do some kind of social media call to action, call out some of the, uh, the, uh, especially Republican members of the state legislature, and say, hey, you know that the Constitution thing that you guys talk a lot about, uh, it's in a lot of your, uh, in the background of a lot of your Facebook cover photos. Um, yeah. Turns out if you read it, uh, go far enough down about the Fourth Amendment, you're going to find that that uh, this thing doesn't pass that, uh, and maybe you should change that. So we should probably, uh, we should probably work on that as a call to action in the near future. Um yeah, I actually remember a time when the progressive left was against the government spying on you, but that was that was decades. I kind of ago. feel like more and more. I kind of feel like you have one party that is really devoted to the welfare state, and yes. one party that is really devoted to the police state, and yes. uh, that's why we never shrink is because yes. whichever one you've got in charge is the one that's taking its opportunity to grow its particular brand. 
And it yes, and it also seems like whoever's in charge really starts to make peace with the police state, no matter how they felt initially. It's like, wait a second, oh, we can use this to for all our stuff. Yes, actually, I like the police state. Um, so okay, so that brings us to this last one, uh, which is a professional privilege tax, which just sounds like exactly what I expected to be. Tell us about this and what you guys are trying to do here. <laughs> so, so. Uh... Oh, five years back, um, Tennessee actually passed a constitutional amendment uh, banning an income tax. Um, yes. So it's part of the Constitution now. And uh, this particular tax is left from that period of time. And it is a tax because you work in one of seven professions um, physician, lawyer, lobbyist. Um, yes a handful of other securities broker, uh, things like that. Uh, You literally just pay a $400 tax because, or $600 tax. I think it's 400. Yeah, it says 400 here. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, but you pay that $400 tax simply because your job title is what it is. Um, And, you know, that's separate from any licensing that you would have to have as a you know, a, a physician, for example, or, you know, bar requirements for a lawyer or any of those different things. So um, it's not licensure. It's not anything. It's simply a tax because you have a particular job. So the bill, this is the other bill that has already that passed everything last year uh, and is waiting to get financed as well. Um, oh, you got to fund it. Got to find it. I think that four hundred dollars times all those people Correct. ruin the the, the Tennessee budget if it's not fully funded. I love it. So this right, is right. It, so this is not licensing. This is just straight up. It's a great uh, profession you have here. Be a shame if something were to happen to it. That'll be four hundred dollars. Right, right. No, that's exactly what it is. Uh, but and that bill will eliminate six of seven of the okay. of the uh, positions. The one that it won't is the securities broker thing. And the what I've been told is the logic behind that is a lot of people from out of state have to register because they're able to sell securities and they're licensed to sell securities in Tennessee. And this makes it, this is the only way that the state would have to locate these people that operate in our state. Hmm. And they're also taking money out of the state and they're not getting taxed for it because we don't have an income tax. Right. So what will likely happen is if this passes, then it will carve that out for everyone except them. And right. then they'll successfully be able to sue because they're being discriminated against. But that's another, yeah. that's another, that's for someone else. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a problem for them and not me. <laughs> that's a them problem. Yeah, that's not sure. a y'all problem. I, I said there are two kinds of problems. There's a me problem and there's a y'all problem. And that is solidly a y'all problem. No, I love it. Um, but no, but that's the that's the foot in the door. Once you've said that, you know, this violates the Constitution, then that means it always violates the Constitution. So um, so these are the eight main subjects that you are working on. These are things that your membership uh, essentially voted on or, or polled on. These all polled the highest. And your membership is able to choose 
how many all all but one only one of them they can choose whichever ones uh in, up to and including all of them that they can that they can financially support so each thing is earmarked um right. you are already working on all of these things they're all at various various levels of you know being pushed through the legislature or reworked or whatever they are so this brings us to the final question here um actually two questions one of them was came in the comments a long time ago and i forget who it was <laughs> but they asked uh do you use the same stylist as ted cruz ow i did right that's what i that's i that's what i said if i had feelings that probably <laughs> um but yeah. as somebody that has to go and have conversations with uh, sitting state senators about how they don't know anything about the constitution and keep a straight face um no i don't i, I no feel I, I don't is the same stylist <laughs> Listen, first of all, you look fantastic. So whoever said that's probably jealous, first of all. I'm not, Second of I'm all. I'm not wearing anything on the bottom. What's that? <laughs> I'm not wearing anything on the bottom. Well, there you go. Exactly. No, no, you listen, you look great. And second of all, like you said, this doesn't bother you because you're a soulless lobbyist. So it's not like it even you feel anything anyway. Right. So uh, but but here's here's the real question, which is if someone is hearing all of this and saying, I want to get involved I want to be a part of this. I want to be, you know, uh, helping uh, uh, donate to this cause and tell people about it and, and get involved. I want to be able to vote in future sessions on the things that, that you're working on. I want to be a part of For All Tennessee. Uh, how can they get in touch with you? How can they find out more? How can they get involved? Uh, ForAllTN.org is the website. Uh, For All Tennessee on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, I, you can reach out to us through the website. Uh, there's a info at foralltn.org email that you can one click and send a message to. And that actually comes right to both mine and my executive director, Josh Eccles phone. Um, so, you know, we'll see it and you'll know if we're ignoring you because I just told you that we see it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, I, you know, the big push right now is lobbying, uh, of course, because it's that season. So uh, we're definitely looking for people that would like to come to the Hill and meet their legislature or legislators and, uh, you know, uh, I tell them that they should side with us on some of these issues. Uh, we need uh, people that would like to come more often than that and help us uh, divide this labor up because uh, 14 bills is a lot of work for sure. Um, so if you'd like to come and give us a day a week on the Hill and uh, help us move some of this stuff, you know, that's, that's a lot of help. Um, the, uh, as, if you're not in Tennessee, um, know that, uh, we are actually for all incorporated legally. Uh, Tennessee is just the chapter. Uh, the idea is to get it off the ground here and move it to other states. Uh, so if you'd like to see a chapter of this in your state, that is A, entirely plausible, and uh, B, it would be incredibly helpful if uh, you helped us prove that we can be successful with it here in Tennessee. Um, but um, aside from that, uh, you got what you got to understand about this organization is we designed this thing to facilitate the wishes and goals of the regular folks in in this state um uh, as far as a liberty oriented 
policy would go. Uh, so uh, if you've got ideas, we want to hear about the ideas. I don't care if you're in Tennessee or not. Uh, if you've got ideas on policy, crypto is something that I know scarily, a scarce amount about, but I have a lot of desire to work a, a policy on. Uh, so if you're the crypto guy, help me out because I've got ideas, but I have no idea how to shape them. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we need big thoughts. We want these ideas. We need these uh, ideas for reform. You know, this year we put out somewhere around 30 different issues. Um, and um, we ended up with a list of about 14 items. So say we get half of these items done, because that would be spectacular if we got seven yeah. bills done out of 14. Okay. Uh, that means that next year we've got seven plus the other ones that didn't get done. We need 20 or so more. Uh, and I, I would love to have um, the folks that are impacted by some of these laws bring it to our attention. That's how we got that bail bond bill uh, about the probation thing. I had yeah. a bail bondsman call me up and say he felt guilty because he got to double dip in these particular situations. And it was a law oh, that wow. needed to be. That's a true story. And it, it, I, that turned into a conversation with a legislator, a, a legislator and the legislator says, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm happy to take it on and I'll, I, I, I can write the legislation and get it fixed. And here we are with a bill yeah. trying to get it done. I mean, this is the way we want this to work. Uh, you know, uh, we, we mentioned being able to separate the dollars out and all that good stuff. Uh, the reason for that is because you can vote on ballots, but we also think you can vote with your dollars. I mean, imagine if you've got thousands of people in a state that are essentially throwing money at liberty oriented issues that they think are important. And yep. all of a sudden you get this like, go fund me for good liberty policy ideas. And that's, that's what we want to do. I mean, if we get $20,000 on ballot access uh, in that one bucket, shoot, I can hire a lobbying firm to come out and put real pressure on folks. You know what I'm saying? Or we can yeah, yeah, yeah. get out in the districts and we can pay people to go door to door and we can do all kinds of fun stuff, you know? Um, but we, we need you to, throw the stuff behind what you believe in, you know, put your money yep. where your mouth is. Uh, so, yep. um, but no, I, I appreciate the opportunity to be on the show, Spike. I'm not trying to keep you all night. Uh, you know, I love you and you know that. Yes. Um, well, I'm the reason I for this. I'm, sure. the, I'm the entire reason this is even happening. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, the, the heart's inspiration, I think is what the righteous brothers called it. Um <laughs> But I, I, you know, it means a lot to um, put all this out there and put all this effort into it. Because, I mean, I haven't taken a paycheck out of this organization in a year. No, no. Uh, we're just we're trying to do this uh, for the right reasons and not just because we can get paid doing it because <laughs> ain't nobody getting paid to do this. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, it means a lot when you put all that out there and people believe in what you're doing and people want yep. to see you succeed and people try to help you succeed. And that's, I, if we get that from people that believe in Liberty and we can make a big dang difference, really big difference in this world. You're already beginning to make a difference. And that's the thing. And that's, that's, 
not only do I believe in you, not only am I, am I continuing to help with this, but I mean, as I, as, as you know, you've been reached out to people from other states who've said, I want to do a for all yeah. Michigan, a for all California, for all whatever, because I believe, con, you know, proof of concept, get it out there and let this thing become a, a, a nationwide thing that where, right. where, and someone mentioned in the comments, and I'm trying to see where it was. Uh, someone said, uh, Brian Virgil, yeah, Virgi- Virgili said, I hate the word lobbying. It sounds like corruption. And that's the problem. Lobbying was supposed to be exactly what you're doing. Just individual people and groups of people lobbying their legislators right. to do the right thing and to not do the right. wrong thing. And it's turned into this you know, entire industry because of their ability to print money out of thin air and tax us whenever they want to. But this is actually what lobbying was supposed to be. Lobbying is supposed to be getting rid of a stupid policy that results in someone, you know, talking about this one, one of the more minor things we talked about tonight, which was that, you know, the double dipping and the, and the getting arrested twice. Think of the hundreds of people that won't lose their jobs as a right. result of, or have their, their lives in jeopardy, won't have their lifestyles in jeopardy because of that one relatively minor change uh, on on how things are done, and that can be replicated over and over again in Tennessee and across the country. And I think it's incredible what you're doing. Yeah, um, if I may, you know, I, I had this thought earlier that I, I wrote down because I thought it was actually a cool thought, and I never do scripts or anything, but I would like to share this thought. Yeah, you know, go ahead. The, go ahead. Problem, the problem with the political environment that we have right now is it's a control system and that control system doesn't want to be threatened. So, you know, we vote in people that say that they want to, you know, be there for the people and they want to take America back and all these fun things. But the the reality is, is no one that has that power wants to give it up. Or if there is somebody that has that power uh, to make law and make decisions and all these different things, um, they are, in such a small minority, they can't have any impact. I mean, look at the Ron Pauls of the world. So what we have, so we, the people have to demand something different and we can't do that through either of the two parties or even through the libertarian party, uh, because they're going to reject the idea of power diminishing by, from the party that has control. So yes, the only way to fix what is broken in this country is to create some sort of separate parallel structure to what the party system looks like, where it's just a bunch of people coming together around stuff that they think is important to them and applying pressure to their legislators outside of the party itself. The parties divide us into two right off the bat. So if you're a Republican or a Democrat, you don't like something the Republicans or Democrats are doing, that doesn't mean that you're going to go and vote for the other party. That means you're going to complain and then you're going to take what you're being fed and you're going to hope that you don't get fed that same pile of poo next time, you know? Um, So that's the problem with how we operate right now. And the biggest thing that for all is trying to accomplish is to unifying people around principles and trying to diminish the power of personality and partisanship in this country because if we cannot find a way to do that we are lost i mean it's really as simple as that parties aren't absolutely 
Absolutely. I love what what you're doing. You're 100% correct. It, we need to unify people around ideas and solutions instead of politicians and parties. And yes, that even includes, you know, the Libertarian Party, which of course <laughs> never has any kind of infighting or, or, or challenges like that. But, but, uh, but in the meantime, it, it needs to be about the solutions. It's not about partisanship. It's not about, do you like this person or this person or this party or this party? It's, is this going well? And if not, would this be a better way to do it? And if so, let's work together on this thing. And then maybe we agree on this thing as well and this thing and this thing, but let's work on this thing and get this thing fixed. So I love what you're doing. I love you. I love Joshua. I love everyone at For All Tennessee. Everyone, foralltn.org. Go get involved with them. They're the For All Tennessee on Facebook, uh, at For All TN on uh, Twitter. Reach out to them. Uh, they, I, they promise not to leave you on red. Uh, if you message them, <laughs> that feeling when they leave you on red, but uh, they, they, they will definitely get back to you. And, and uh, you know, we can definitely do a lot of work through 4L Tennessee. I completely endorse the stuff that they are doing. I think they're fantastic. And not just because this was all my idea, not just even if it wasn't, even if they had already done this and it wasn't all brought together by my existence, I would still be saying all this. Justin, uh, thank you again for coming on and, uh, and, and stick around. We're going to talk during the intro. But, folks, thank you for joining us for this fantastic first episode of 2022 uh, of My Fellow Americans. Um, be sure to join us tomorrow on Thursday at the uh, 8 p.m. on the Writer's Block, where my co-host Matt Wright uh, is going to be interviewing Alex Snitker who uh, is a former Libertarian Senate candidate in Florida. He was also the executive director of the Republican Liberty Caucus. And he has some words for you people about the Liberty Movement and what he thinks about it. And you're going to be hearing from him. It's basically going to be a large airing of grievances from Alex Snicker, who uh, also has his own show. You're going to love it. Go watch it. I, I'm going to tune in because that's it's going to be. Wait a second. Today's Friday. Alex Snicker happened yesterday. I'm so used to the show being on Wednesday. Go watch yesterday's episode of the writer's block because that already happened. You said Wednesday in the intro and I, I I messaged on the Twitter. If you said, as soon as I said, I'm going to tune in. I remembered that I did. And that this whole thing, COVID doesn't cause ongoing issues with, uh, with fatigue. Uh, Anyway. So, I hope you tuned in for that. If you don't, go and check it out. Uh, tomorrow, which is Saturday, uh, join me in, uh, if you live anywhere near the the Charleston area, uh, the Awanda or Charleston area of South Carolina, come join me tomorrow. I will be at Middleton and Maker Barbecue uh, at Awanda, South Carolina. If you follow my social media, you have definitely heard about Elliot Middleton, uh, a man who has uh, helped nearly 100 families get into uh, vehicles and get back on the road in a place that has no public transportation. So having a car is the difference between being able to participate with the rest of society or not. Uh, and we are going down there, me and the rest rest of the South Carolina Libertarian Party uh, are going there to help uh, raise funds and awareness for uh, the Middleton Village to Village Foundation. Uh, I get to meet Elliot for the first time 
uh, in person finally and help raise funds for them and help raise awareness. Come join me. It's my first in-person event of 2022. Uh, And then next week, uh, join us right back here uh, next Tuesday for uh, the Muddy Waters of Freedom, where Matt Wright and I parse through the week's events like the sweet little chipper uh, middle-aged men who are still recovering from COVID that we are. And then join me back here next week, Wednesday, that next time, Wednesday, usual spike place and time, different than this week, uh, but uh, Wednesday for uh, the next exciting episode of My Fellow Americans. I can't wait to see you then. Uh, guys, I love you. Thank you for tuning in. I will see you very soon. I'm Spike Cohen, and you are the power. God bless, guys. Thank you.